Greetings and welcome to the Net Positive Podcast. This episode features a conversation with my great friend, Peter Rumsey. He's an extraordinary engineer. He's designed lots of lead platinum buildings. He's shown how you can reduce energy consumption in buildings by over 50%, often with a negative net marginal cost. Peter is the founder and chief executive officer of Point Energy Innovation. Peter, welcome to the Net Positive Podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you. Really, really happy to have you on, on, this, on the show. Born and raised Oakland, California, right? Correct. What was your, what was your youth like? Well, you know, I had a uh, relatively good up, upbringing. I, you know, I think one of the things that um, brings me to where I am today is that um, the architecture of the East Bay is actually quite amazing. Um, Julia Morgan designed uh, several buildings in the East Bay, um, Bernard Maybeck, and a whole slew of um, architects that were what what they used to call or um, into organic architecture, architecture that that um, was elegant and included biophilia and things like that. So I grew up um, seeing these kind of buildings. And the other thing that influenced me is I grew up in the 60s when I remember looking across from the East Bay over to San Francisco and many, many days per year, we had really bad smog. It looked so bad you could barely see San Francisco and it was this brown thing um, <laughs> that was just very um, disturbing. And, and as I learned more and more about it, I learned that you know that was coming from automobiles and from burning garbage and and all these things and, and power plants, coal-based power plants that were um, you know, surrounding the, the San Francisco Bay Area. And I think it was one of the things that really made, made me want to um, you know, address pollution-related issues and do it through buildings because I really fell in love with architecture as a kid. I was going to give you a hard time. When the rest of us were playing uh, you know, pickup hockey and... Uh... Yeah you know, baseball, uh, you were checking out architecture in the East Bay. Uh, but that led to uh, that led to you going into engineering, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was always a numbers guy. I, you know, I loved science and math and these kind of things. I had a, a junior high school, seventh, eighth grade um, uh, professor or teacher who um, taught an architectural drafting class. I loved that. We had metal shop and wood shop back in the day. And, um, you know, I was just enamored with that um, side of things. And so engineering was sort of a natural progression for me. Right. And then, I, and then off to UC Berkeley, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. A, few I, miles, just a few miles away. You know, I, I decided, you know, to specialize in renewable energy. Now, this was not long after the energy, cri different energy crises that we had in the 70s. And everybody was talking about energy back then. And I decided that, you know, I really want to focus in on solar energy and renewables, things like that. And I remember my advisor at Berkeley saying, you know, Peter, this is all just a fad. I really don't want you focusing on this. You need to get back to the basics of engineering and things like that. And I was like, wow, that's like the worst possible advice I, I could get right now. That's what I said to myself. And this is right around 1980. And I, I would like to say I was right. And he was wrong. <laughs> I think you could say. I think you could safely say that. 
You know, I met you when you were based in Thailand, uh, working for the International Institute for Energy Conservation. You got me to come over there and we met in the Philippines and then we went to Bangkok and and that was your experience with IIEC, but, but was that was that your earliest experience out of college or what? You know, I, I did work on a variety of different energy issues before that. I, um, um, I spent some time working on uh, uh, sustainable and low-tech projects in Africa. And um, I worked for an energy consulting firm in California called Zenergy back in the day. And, um, but I'd always wanted to combine my interest in developing countries with energy um, and sustainability issues. When we were working in Thailand and, and you came over and, and uh, um, worked with us on some of those projects, it was actually at the time, the most significant important energy efficiency program of any, any developing country. And that was in Thailand that we helped to um, facilitate and catalyze by bringing in a lot of specialists and helping them write, write policies and, and programs with a special Thai approach to it. And it was really interesting to see that the, the Thais approached energy efficiency in a very different way than what was going on in Europe or the US at the time, um, but they really did embrace it. And today they, they definitely are one of the further along countries, developing countries in the world. And it, we subsequently, we spent time working in the Philippines, as you mentioned, Malaysia, um, Singapore, Indonesia, and uh, most all of the uh, countries in Southeast Asia. Amazing, amazing times. How many years were you over there? Yeah, it's three, three years living in Bangkok. Three years. And then I, I, I brought in my notes the supersymmetry years, but, yeah. but along the way you met uh, Eng Lok Lee, who was... Uh, was and still is just a, an amazing engineer who just put thing, turned things upside down. Uh, yeah. And he, he was involved with, I think, well, maybe you can tell the story about how he became involved with the Compact Computer Corporation and Ron Perkins, and you, you then got into that swirl with those guys. Yeah. Well, Mr. Lee, Englock Lee, was my um, mentor. And, and um, wh what it was, it was really interesting because he had started to, through just very focused engineering, um, he was figuring out how to design um, HVAC systems in a way that used half the energy and doing it in a super cost-effective way. And so he had worked with compact computers in Singapore and, and this compact was um, later absorbed by HP, but then worked for compact computers in Texas and was had started to um, develop a, a fairly um, well-known name for himself in the energy efficiency world. Um, when I first met him, it was when we were doing a project for the Asian Development Bank in Manila, Philippines. And I said, you know, here's a group of bankers and they've said, if you can find energy efficiency projects on our basically brand new 1 million square foot office building that has a return on investment that, you know, is better than 10%, we'll do it. And so I, I um, took on doing uh, the investigation of the lighting systems in the building and he took on investigating the HVAC systems and together we identified um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30% energy reductions as a re cost-effective retrofits for the building. 
And um, all of those were in fact implemented and that, that building is um, still a case study for energy efficiency upgrades. But in through that project, I got to understand um, his technique and um, started working with him more, eventually um, moved to Singapore for a short time and worked with him in Singapore. And then when I returned to the US, set up a supersymmetry office on the West Coast. And this is in the mid nineties. And we started working with a lot of the tech firms that were growing then uh, Silicon Graphics, uh, Netscape, all the precursors to the names that we know today, like Google and uh, Microsoft and others. And then I think, you know, you've basically um, had a number of, of engineering firms, Integral, Rumsey, now it's Point Energy. Yeah. Uh, your specialty uh, has been, you know, just really ultra efficient. I think you have something like 17 lead platinum buildings you've worked on. And, yeah. uh, you know, you've really you've really pushed the envelope uh, in, in your entire career. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I actually, um, I'm actually now close to having worked on 45 lead platinum projects. And, um, you know, what I, I made a decision in my career, um, I was offered at one point a policy position at a prominent environmental group working on energy efficiency policy um, nationally. And, and um, you know, I really was torn about should I take that position where I can help influence policy and make um, small changes, but to all buildings, or I could go work on designing the most energy efficient buildings possible. And these are buildings that um, use 50, 60, 70% less energy than the, the, the standard designed building. Those buildings can show the way to others for what's possible and help to pave the road for policies that make buildings 5% more efficient seem so mild and modest in comparison to what we're doing. So that's what I did. And my whole career has been focused on designing buildings that, that, that really do go beyond and sharing that information with others. A lot of engineers develop certain techniques for better performance and such, and then they want to hold on to them as a competitive advantage. I've, I've never actually never felt that way. I, I think maybe to a fault, but I've always shared everything I've done with everybody in our uh, buildings community. Um, I did found uh, Rumsey Engineers and uh, grew that to be a prominent green firm. And then um, that was acquired by a company called Integral Group. Um, who I worked with for several years and, and did a lot of really exciting work with them. And then in 2014, uh, split off and started a new company ca called Point Energy Innovations. And um, that's where I work now. I also started a company called uh, Personal Comfort Systems for a while. We uh, designed uh, chairs that were heated and cooled. Um, that would be used in office environments. Unfortunately, we're not able to get the venture capital funding that we were hoping for. So that company did not make it, but there since have been several companies that are now uh, popping up selling uh, office chairs with heating and cooling in them. It's, the, it's just the, it's the coolest idea that you just, spot, I guess that's spot conditioning. Instead of heating a whole room and whole office, you're just heating the, or cooling the chair. Yeah. Um, 
Peter, I want to, amazing, and I apologize for suggesting you've only worked on only 17 lead platinum buildings where the number is more than twice that. Um, but talk about a couple of the of the most exciting projects. Uh, and, and I hope that you're going to hit on radiant cooling and that technology, yeah. because I know that's been a big part of, you're so matter of fact, say you can get 50, 60, 70% savings in a building. And what are some of the, what are some examples of that? Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the ones that's the most compelling is my work with a company called Emphasis out of India. And um, over at this point, it was 12 or 13 years ago, I got a call from a guy from India saying, um, I work for a company called Emphasis, and we, we, we'd like your help on making energy efficient buildings. And, you know, I'd never worked in India. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, is this like a, a spam call or something? And um, so I was quickly looking up Emphasis, who is Emphasis? And at the time, I found out quickly as I was Googling them and on the phone that they had 150,000 employees in India or one of the major uh, tech companies in the country. And so I, I took the call a little bit more seriously. And next thing you know, a week later, the um, head of sustainability and one of the key people on the construction team was in my office in Oakland. And they had found my name because um, at the time, and I still do uh, teach a class at Stanford, I'm an adjunct lecturer there. And um, what happened was they flew me over to India. I met the founder and at the time, the uh, chairman, and is a man by the name of Mr. Murti is really quite a visionary in India and an entrepreneur. And he said, Peter, look, I, what I want you to do is I want you to design the next building that we uh, build to be the most, most energy efficient building in India, if not the world. And so I was like, well, that's perfect. And it was 250,000 square feet. And um, I had uh, in my mind a lot of clarity about how we go ahead and, and do that. And so we started to design the building. And um, sure enough, the folks who were like the team that did building design and construction for emphasis said, wait a minute, what are you doing? This building design looks so different from what we've been doing. We're not comfortable with it. And sure enough, one of the ways to get a very low energy HVAC system is through radiant heating and cooling. In India, it's just radiant cooling. And they were like, wait a minute, we don't do that here. <laughs> and so they, they talked amongst themselves for a few weeks while I was back in the US and came back and said, here's what we're gonna do, Peter. We're gonna take this next building. We're gonna cut it in half and half of it, we're gonna do what you say. And then the other half, we're gonna do what we'd like to do or what we're sort of doing as, as our thinking around the more efficient design. And at first I was disappointed because I said, you know, look, the founder of the company told me, do whatever you want to do. And, but then I realized, no, this is perfect. This will be the largest side-by-side -side test of energy efficient building uh, techniques that um, has ever happened. Um, I, and I think to this day in, in the world. So there was 125,000 square feet on one side and 125,000 square feet on the other. And, and basically we, we did the design. The radiant side used 40% less energy for the cooling systems and it cost 9% less to build. That building also was designed with excellent daylight, light shelves, 
efficient lighting. And we were getting overall an 80% reduction from the buildings that we, they had built a year before that. Emphasis then moved forward that building design. We, we, it was a proof of concept like no other. And it completely changed how they thought about buildings. Since that period, the size of the company has doubled up to now 300,000 employees. And this is all pre-COVID numbers. Um, their energy consumption in doubling the number of people and doubling um, office space, um, their energy consumption basically stayed flat. They've saved over $100 million in energy bills and um, last year achieved carbon neutrality. Peter, that is an amazing story. And, and the commission that they gave you must have been phenomenal for the, that $100 million of savings. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it changed everything. And now Mr. Murthy, again, he's like a, a rock star. He's sort of like a Bill Gates of India. You know, I'll, I'll bump into him at the airport and things like that. Or he, he has, he's retired now, but he has me come over to his private office and we, we hang out and talk about things. It's quite an exciting thing. He's quite a visionary. And uh, I really do think that he does, um, is owed a lot more credit than what he gets. Talk now about Point Energy Innovations and, and your focus on, on decarbonization of buildings. And, you know, you wanted to talk a little bit about trends and we'll do that a little bit in the end as well. But, but certainly building decarbonization is a massive trend here in California and I guess around the country and will be around the world. Well, you know, it's interesting when we started this firm, it's, it now is uh, about eight years ago. We um, set out to just focus on uh, green buildings and advanced green buildings, so, and to especially focus in this iteration of, of my consulting career on working with developers. And developers are very budget focused. And if we can't make these high performance green buildings work with developers, we're just never going to get there. So, um, you know, we've learned a lot about how to make these high performance buildings cost effective. And um, basically, for the last five or six years, our firm has not designed a building that has natural gas in it, every single building that we're designing. And we're working around the country, and a little bit internationally, every single building is an all electric building. And um, what we're doing with our clients is, those all electric buildings will have some on-site solar PV, and then the, the rest of the electricity consumed by the building will be provided by renewable sources. And so, you know, that's that's an operational decarbonization. And I, I think the, the pathway to get there is relatively clear, and it's being understood around the country more and more, not just in California, I think New York is now taking the lead. Several cities there are saying all new construction has to be in the whole state or a whole city needs to be all electric. And we're going to be um, pushing to get our electric grid to be decarbonized. So we're seeing this um, take off around the country. And as you know, our grid has been um, improving significantly uh, from a carbon perspective. Over the last couple of years, 70 to 80% of all new additions to the grid have been renewables, right? So we're not adding new coal power plants. In fact, those have been closing down a lot and we're not adding new natural gas power plants. Let's just break it down a little bit. Like if you, to, to decarbonize, like let's just say a, a building, a, 
high rise building in, in Manhattan or, or wherever, Los Angeles or San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, where's the carbon? The carbon is primarily in the heating system, right? Yeah, so um, when we talk about decarbonization, there are two elements to carbon that's related to buildings. One is the operational carbon, and that's carbon that's emitted through running the building, and it's mostly related to consuming energy at the building. And then there's embodied carbon, which is the carbon that's that's that is the emissions that are created when we make building materials and we transport them to the site. So on the operational side. Um, we've got the two sources. One is burning natural gas at a building, methane, and it releases CO2. Um, also, the hidden thing about natural gas is the um, around 2% of leakage um, when we're extracting natural gas, methane, and transporting it, mostly extracting it. That 2% or so leakage, because methane is such a powerful greenhouse gas, almost doubles the impact of using natural gas in a building. So um, that's a big part of carbon emissions of buildings. The other big part is the electricity consumption when you're consuming electricity that's generated by coal or natural gas or other fossil fuels. And then, you know, the embodied carbon is something that, um, you know, we're working on a wide variety of buildings where the design is specifically focusing on trying to find building materials that have less embodied carbon and in fact sequester carbon. And so we're doing commercial office buildings with wood structures or called mass timber. And um, there, it's gaining a lot of attention right now, especially in green building community. Can we build large buildings with wood? And it's low carbon to create it, but it also sequesters, it holds carbon in the structure of the building. I've been teaching at Stanford uh, for over a dozen years. And I know you're proud of this uh, project that you've got going there. I think Stanford Building Decarbonization Learning Center. Did I get that right? Yeah, our learning accelerator, what we call the Stanford BDLA, um, is a project that I've started with some other colleagues um, from Stanford. And what we're doing is we're making teaching material around building decarbonization available to professors at colleges and universities around the country. And um, we're the first year, it's just an eight month old project. Um, the first year that we um, are, are doing this, we're focusing on collaboration with historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs. And in fact, we helped Howard University create the nation's first architectural class wholly devoted to building decarbonization. And that class occurred last year and has transformed the thinking of several architectural students, they were super excited about it. So we're working a variety of HBCUs, but the word is now getting out and colleges and universities around the country are starting to go to our website, download this free teaching material and tools and start to engage. And we even have a wide variety of users from the private sector going there so that they're, they're using this material for internal training of their architects and engineers and construction management folks. What trends? I mean, now you've been doing this for what, 35 years, 36 years, something like that, like me. Mm -hmm. um, what are the big trends? I mean, we, we've obviously, we, we, we talked about going from just low and ultra, ultra efficient buildings, and now this big focus on decarbonization. Uh, what, are the other, what are the other big trends that are affecting your 
sphere of influence. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, Ted, um, this is a very pivotal time. And, and the word, the energy transition is now what people are talking about. And, you know, we were in the uh, 80s and 90s saying, can we just prove to the rest of the world that we can make buildings, lower energy. I mean, it was just that in and of itself was, was quite a, a task. And, and now we've been able to prove that. We've been able to prove that solar energy works. Not only that, we've been able to see the cost of solar energy and wind generated electricity to drop dramatically. What we're gonna see over the next 50 years is basically the transformation of the biggest machine that humans have ever built, the electric grid in our energy system. If you think about it, um, the, the Western part of the US, I'm connected through copper wires in my house to, to your house in Southern California, to somebody's house in Denver, Colorado. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, so that whole system that we've created is going to be transitioned over to a zero carbon grid. And we're going to be building buildings that are significantly more efficient and all electric. And I'm not just saying like that's a policy thing. It is happening naturally. The cost of solar and wind, as I mentioned, is cheaper. So they're starting to take over the grid. Now, they do have societal benefits. So I think the you know policies are helping to accelerate that adoption. But the fact of the matter is, there's no there's no there's no other option. You know, fossil fuels will run out, and and we, what we're finding is we won't use we won't use them all and then run out. What's going to happen is these alternatives, solar and wind, are going to be cheaper than the fossil fuels. So we're going to transition before we run out, and then things like LED lighting is it's a better type of lighting and it's 80 or 90 percent more efficient than the lighting that we're using just 20 years ago or 10 10 15 years ago led lights are globally going to allow us to shut down close to 200 power plants but there's a lot of other things that are naturally happening low emissivity windows variable speed drives there's there's certain technology that now is is just a natural and is going into all buildings and not just in the US when i was working in india they were doing led lighting in fact they were getting some of the best led lighting in the world cuz this construction market there is bigger than here but they were doing low low emissivity windows variable speed drives all those things were available in india so this transition is what we're going to see and and it's going to be you know, part of it could be labeled decarbonization, um, but I, I think it's quite exciting. And I, I think like a, maybe a bellwether on that is what's going on with electric cars. Electric cars are now, they're still a small part of the market, but they're the fastest growing sector of the, the car market. And Tesla is the most valuable car company on the planet. So, so that, that's what's going to happen on the building sector and, and industrial sectors. We're going to see this huge transformation. It's quite exciting. Unfortunately, Ted, <laughs> I think you and I won't see the completion of this transition because I think it's going to take about 50 years. But um, the young folks that I work with, um, I tell them, get ready. You're going to have so much fun and you're going to be an integral part of um, making this all happen. And they, they get really excited and jazzed up about that. That is that is extremely well put. And I must say, it's just in our career, in our uh, so far, what we've seen 
uh, has been incredibly gratifying. Uh, be, when we started out, we were fighting the nuclear movement. We were fighting the hard path. We both got attracted to the thinkings of, of Amory Lovins, the soft path, the road, the road not taken. Well, guess what? The road has been taken. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, the LEDs, the controls, the advanced motors, the advanced air conditioning, the heat pumps. I mean, the, yeah. the pace of technological innovation is is uh, is just thrilling. So yeah. So great stuff, Peter. You made huge contributions, uh, and you know I'm very uh, impressed by that and proud of you for that. And uh, I always ask uh, at the end of the podcast, I always ask, you know, what do you do to take care of yourself? Uh, what do you do to, to maintain balance in life? Because I think we all realize that yeah. in order to be effective, we've got to be balanced. Yeah. Well, you know, I. I, I will say that one of the probably the most important things for me is to find a job that I'm very passionate about and that I love <laughs> because, you know, I, I was talking to a couple of people on my team the other day, we we're on a zoom and um, I said, you know, it was first thing in the morning. I'm really looking forward to today. And so that to me, and it's not that every single moment of the day is super, super fun, but generally speaking, I feel so good about what I do. It gives me such motivation and energy that, um, you know, when my day is over or when my week is over, I, I, I'm not feeling like I need some deep recovery. I'm feeling like, great, that was a great week. But of course, you know, my, my friends and family are really important to me and I love getting out and uh, getting exercise. I'm very lucky to live here in California where we can basically uh, recreate, so to speak, um, year round. Um, and one of my passions more recently has been sailing. And I quite enjoy that San Francisco Bay being one of the best places in the country to go sailing. So. Well, again, thank you for being part of the Net Positive carry on, take your vitamins, carry on, and uh, talk to you real soon. Thank you so much, Ted. Bye, Peter. That's it. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of The Net Positive. We'll see you next time.